22 is the lucky number and 2022 is where we're at. My name is Dem and I am joined tonight by some wonderful Player One people and a special guest, of course. What We can't start off a new year without a new surprise. We love it. We love it. I am Dem. I am joined tonight by Eleni, Jacob, Connor and Leisha from Asia Pop Nation. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello, guys. Yo. <laughs> yo, yo. yo. It's, it's 2022. Yay. Yeah. It's very exciting, guys. <laughs> and I can't wait oh, for an even more exciting. exciting show. <laughs> yeah. As Jacob Snyder just, just threw in there, just like, oh, gosh, we could have a bit more enthusiasm. Could we not? A bit of enthusiasm. Silence. We love it. That's what we like to hear here on Player One. If you love us and want to hear more of us, we are on all of the social medias. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and then on a podcasting format such as Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We have a fantastic and jam-packed show coming up, including new releases for a new year, a fantastic summary of our summer, PSN hot takes, and more. So tune in, or keep tuned in even, and keep tuning in every every Monday from 8 p.m. on Sin. Hell yes. And listen, it's the first one of the year. I've had 15 generic energy drinks, five cups of espresso. I've made sure to have it double shot. And of course, just to top it off, five generic brands of cola. So I am ready for the rapid fire releases. Starting off on my birthday, January 25th. Hell yeah. We've got Mega Aquarium, Freshwater Frenzy DLC coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Review Noi Tactics coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, January 25th. God, it's a triple header on my birthday. I love it. Serious Sam, Siberian Mayhem all coming to PC on January 25th. Australia Day. Eh. Uh, Diplomacy is not an option coming to PC on January 26th. Kingdom of the Dead coming to PC on January 26th. Circuit Superstars, PS4, January 27th. Rugby 22. Oh boy, if I love rugby. Who loves rugby, guys? Coming to PC, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, all the consoles except for the Switch because Switch never gets rugby, which is probably a good thing here. Uh, Vagante coming to PS4, Xbox One and Switch 20, on the 27th of January. Zenith, The Last City coming to PC, Oculus Quest 2 and PSVR. Oh, that's fun. Nice VR action here coming January 27th. Pokemon Legends Arceus coming on Switch January 28th. Uh, it's Pokemon on you, you get it's same old story and then finally to close it off we have uncharted legacy of thieves collection coming to the playstation 5 on january 28th um i am not going to play any of these games but i'm sure everyone else in this room uh, is is very excited for pokemon i don't know you sounded fairly excited for rugby 22 you had that yeah, rugby you knowledge held on. In. Oh, you held on for a hot minute there. I've, I've secretly pre-ordered it. I've done the works. I'm going to get the DLC bonus of a tiny rugby ball as like a as a gift. So That's I'm ready. Beautiful. Well, Connor, I just want to say, you know, it's the new year and you haven't lost your rapid fire releases skills. That was beautiful. Uh, you really I, put those espresso shots to good use, I think. I, I like to say I never lost it. I only just drank more energy. 
Well, of course. Well, I mean, looking at the releases, um, I'm quite excited for the Uncharted collection. I'm a big fan. Obviously, right before, you know, the release of the film, look at that for timing. How bizarre. But that's Oh, yeah. Look at that lineup they threw in for us. A big year of Uncharted. Yeah. So this Uncharted collection, that's just covering the four games, not the Lost Legacy? I I think it has the lost legacy included leisha have you got any games there that you're keen to play anything exciting oh um i mean is this like a controversial take i feel like god and people people who like heard my voice around at asian pop nation know i always start a sentence with "Hmm, i wonder if this is a controversial take (laughs) because i just feel Sometimes I feel like I'm really emulating grandma status, but I actually don't have like a super strong attachment with Pokemon. And Fair vibe. Yeah. yeah. You're not if the you only don't want to hit it up, you don't want to hit it up. It's a vibe. Yeah. And I just like, it, it sounds really cool though. Not going to like, because I do have a lot of friends that are very into Pokemon stuff. So info like this, I would love to just relay it down to them. But in terms of this month, Hmm, maybe I'm just biased because December is my birthday month, but January it's not looking so hot for me personally. It's a big vibe. It's been a it's been a lackluster month. I think this is the first big week of releases we've gotten so far. Like there hasn't been too much that's come well, in in the new year. Well, you I, know what? Before the show airs, we had the amazing remaster of the N64 cult classic Shadow Man. Which can't forget Shadow Man. Who rem- who can who could ever forget Shadow Man? Let's yeah, Shadow Man, totally. I remember. I I don't know about you guys, but I personally very much remember Shadow Man. Oh. Incredibly so. The part where they're a shadow and, in fact, male. That's what more could My you ask for part, in a video actually. game? Honestly, that's so good. <laughs> no, I, I do feel Alicia though. As much as you know, December was great. January doesn't really offer much for me either, and I'm a Pokemon fan. I do not have an interest in this new Pokemon game. It does not look fantastic, and it's right around the corner. Who knows? But uh, that, that, you're going to have to tell us what you think about that. And, of course, if you're listening in, you know that you haven't really heard our voices for a little while. It's been a nice summer. We've been on break, and with that extra time means awesome games to play. So just thought I would, you know, spend this time so we can discuss what games we've been playing. And, of course, Leisha, you're the newest member of this crew, so I thought it'd be a great chance for you to take it away, let us know what you've been playing over the summer and what kind of games you play in general. Ooh, thank you, I guess. Hmm, I coined, not coined the term, but I usually like to label myself as more of a casual gamer, <laughs> which might be very hard-hitting. That's, for... that's not a dirty word here. That's it's not a, a dirty uh, word. Game, gamer's a gamer. Gamer. Yeah, we think. Game up alive. <laughs> but just like, I'm uh... a video gamer. I love games. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Um, I guess for me, the games that I tend to gravitate towards are, I guess, more like FPS, but uh, multiplayer ones are kind of like, like if we're going way back, Overwatch and stuff like that. But uh, I don't touch that game anymore. It's collecting dust very far away in my room. But <laughs> in terms of ones that I've been playing over the holidays and in general, it's a game that I've just been playing a lot last year, primarily as like a like it is an FPS game but it was also mainly because it's like a game that just most of my friends were playing and it's just really fun to uh, like play with other people and stuff 
uh, craving social interactions, as we all know how hard it's been for a bit. But um, Valorant is a game. Nice one. <laughs> I have been gravitating a lot just in general, but especially during the holiday seasons because everyone's just free now. Um, so yeah, that's one of like the main games I've been getting into. It's just mainly fun and team-based shooting game with very pretty looking characters, which not gonna lie, just good looking characters in general is kind of my... <laughs> that's <laughs> my, your genre of choice. That's my genre of choice. That's how I can get easily sucked in with marketing. Just show me pretty characters and I'm in. <laughs> we love that. And, um... I guess with the holiday season, especially a lot of sales came up. So I picked up a lot of like, mm, like games just around that uh, haven't necessarily started too much from them, but um, so far I've been quite liking them. So one is Dishonored. Dishonored. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Have um, you enjoying it? Um, yeah. I've only played, I would say like, I still feel like I'm pretty much right in the beginning portions of it, but it's really entertaining and very good to test how much I actually know stealth, which is <laughs> afraid to say I know barely I when I think I do about stealth, all the Valorant skills transfer and I just end up going guns blazing, which is... I love it. I love it how you are like, I'm a casual gamer and then you're playing like Dishonored and like <laughs> Valorant, Overwatch... <laughs> You know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a gamer gal in the in the crew. I don't know, I don't know about. I mean, not to say that people can't be like gamer gals and casual gamers. It's it's a, a, a spectrum, a Venn diagram. It's a nice wild old world. Good save, good save. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then I also I play a little bit of the Life is Strange True Colors, uh, which I did oh. talk about. If I want to do a little self promo moment, did talk a bit about it on Asian Pop Nation, one nice. of our previous episodes in the back. Um and reason why it works particularly well with Asian Bomb Nation is that the main character Alex Chen is Asian an Asian female protagonist which still unfortunately in the media world still working up towards seeing more Asian characters in general but the game yeah that one I fully like finished and stuff and it just cried like oh yeah it was my it was like my game of the year for 2021 (gasps) I loved I loved that game it was amazing um so I actually did replay that over the summer, coincidentally. Mm. But um, obviously Halo Infinite, I'm a big Halo fan. So that's yeah. been taking up my multiplayer grind quite dramatically. Um, but the thing I've been back into lately, and again, talking about the same old games, is um, Mass Effect. Oh it's on my Game God. Pass, how, folks. How many so times? Just, how many times? I, I know, but it was on Game Pass, Connor. So they were just It is. They it, were just the, tempting the Legendary me. Edition is on Game Pass. Game Pass it was I'm there. Actually excited to, to play it was it free. Bit. I couldn't say no. <laughs> like, exactly. Me with PUBG right fairness, now. <laughs> so Lenny, didn't you already buy the the remasters? Yeah, look, no comment. Um, Dan, what have you been playing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have been playing a mixed bag. After I got uh, my shiny PS5, the humble brags. Sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> um, I rebought SpongeBob Rehydrated and have been playing that and just absolutely loving it. My housemate got me into Kingdom Hearts. Been playing a bit of that. Yes, oh, I'm seeing. Oh, I know. I'm so confused. I'm like getting PTSD from my childhood when I first started playing it. Um, and what else have I been playing? Oh, I finished Astro's Playroom, which was a big oh, vibe. I good. really like that game, and I hope that it gets more releases because it was actually a really fun platformer, which is really good, like 
boppy fun time vibes. It's great. Connor, what have you been playing? Um, well, in contrast to the summer weather, I have been diving into the ice cold in Subnautica below zero. Oh, um, I, I went through Subnautica, finished it to completion and took a bit of a break. But fairly recently, I've dove into the sequel head first and it's as much as I enjoy it. Yes, Dem? Which is better. Okay. I, I've, been, I've been wanting to buy it, but I don't know which one to get. Now that they've released it in like a two-pack, so you can get Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero specifically on Switch, um, nothing beats the original. There's just that charm and that level of fear and anxiety <laughs> that I never got from Below Zero so far. Ooh. But I definitely got that from Subnautica, especially when you see like a Reaper um, everywhere else. Um, and besides that, literally just same old, same old Tetris effect. Um, I've restarted Deadly Premonition 2. I've also been playing uh, something fairly recent in my backlog that I need to play. Yuck is a three, the most divisive game in the series. But um, Jacob, can you just quickly scan through everything that you've been playing in the summer? Well, I can say this much. Um... I talked about it last year. I started playing around with a little bit uh, of homebrewing and, you know, getting games emulated, you know, legal gray areas. Oh, so we don't tricky. really talk about that much. Bit, bit, but bit, something bit. else we don't really talk about is Bruno. A lovely romp through TikTok. If you've been there, you know what we're talking about. This is Player One on Sin. My name is Dem and I am joined tonight by Eleni, Jacob, Connor and Leisha. And we are talking about something that sort of snuck onto the radar without a lot of us knowing about it. And to be honest, we're still not quite sure what it is. But PSN is now providing a, a game pass of sorts where it provides people who pay for the 12, well, for the for the 12 month, three month or one month subscription service uh, with free games every month. Recent inclusions include Dirt 5, Deep Rock Galactic, and Persona 5 Strikers, which I found yes. out is not just a remake of Persona no, 5. It's a it's sequel. A, yeah, it's, an, it's a Dynasty Warriors kind of style sequel, but with Persona 5 storytelling. And I've played through this, I've played through that game before, and it is awesome. It's a great like 30-hour romp of hack and slash action with all your favorite from the Persona 5 game. Which is a lot. Really good. Yeah, no, 100%. So yeah, I was just like, we, we heard a story that this was happening, but it's sort of happening in a weird, confusing way where lots of different like ideas and things and free things and other things, uh, all sorts of stuff happening around us. So Ooh. this, I think this is similar to like what, gr granted, I, as an Xbox user, only have Game Pass, which well, Game Pass Ultimate, which has games with gold, but it sounds very similar to that in this particular case. Well, I think it's the sort of thing where, I mean, my hot take is that I think Sony were maybe trying really, really hard to not just have a straight up Game Pass. And I think that yeah. because of how successful Microsoft has been with that, I think it was sort of this inevitable slow burn towards having their exact replicated version of Game Pass. But what's interesting is, of course, you know, with the discussion, um, IGN actually interviewed Phil Spencer and got his sort of hot take on this situation. Um, and he said in the interview, I'm just going to quote what he said. He said, I don't mean it to sound like we've got it all figured out, but I think the right answer is allowing your customers to play the games they want to play, where they want to play them and giving them choice about how to build their library and being transparent with them about what our plans are in terms of our PC initiatives and our cross-gen initiatives 
and other things, which AKA means we've been ahead of the game. Sorry, yeah. we're catching up now, but we did it first. I don't know what you think about that. <laughs> it does kind of feel like that. It does feel like Sony for the last little while has been scrambling to um, do a lot of the stuff that Xbox and Microsoft has been doing, especially with some of the news we'll talk about later and the, well, um, the conversation of Microsoft all of a sudden having a oh. bit of a monopoly of things. Um, when they bought out Bethesda, PlayStation kind of scrambled and went, oh no, that's massive. And with, again, the news we'll talk about later, I imagine they're going to be doing everything they can to convince a lot of companies to stick around and you know, support them through a Game Pass-like kind of thing because, like it or not, Game Pass is really successful and it's successful and, because of what it does. And here's the thing, like, back, because I believe Game Pass launched back in 2017, which well and truly was the end of, like, that, not the end, but definitely end of the competition there in that generation between Sony and Microsoft. There was no question. Um, Microsoft kind of just had to do something different to at least sell the Xbox One because it wasn't selling and it wasn't going to sell just based off the games itself. It was only going to sell because, oh, people people like the Xbox 360. Yeah, let's get it at Xbox Live, all that jazz. So Game Pass was kind of a decision that needed to be made and it's turned out to be like what Fortnite was to Epic Games and that it's turned out to be a massive success. Sony's always, Sony is now in that position where for the first time in a while, they are playing catch up in that side because Sony are very old school in that they specifically rely on the software rather than, or they, they rely on the PlayStation name and as well as the exclusive software other than that variety of options that Xbox has been providing, especially in this current generation where it's pretty arguable where that Game Pass is the most valuable, um, the most valuable um sort of deal in gaming you have oh, access so. to hundreds of games literal hundreds of games for a decent sized fee hey this is Phoebe Watson and you're listening to player one and now we're going to be talking about some interesting topic that just blasting through my fee online I have to say but something that I actually personally don't know too much about and I'm hoping these guys will just give you the whole shibi down to it and it is something to do with microsoft yeah Indeed. like mm-hmm. his thing we we thought microsoft buying bethesda was like how can it get big yeah we thought that was big <laughs> no um microsoft are now taking the steps to buy activision blizzard which I don't think we can stress enough uh, how big this move is. Anxiety is taking over my life. I mean, it's literally the biggest acquisition of all time in the video game market. I believe the last, sorry, the second biggest acquisition is something on the lines of $12 billion. And this is just under $70 billion. Just to give you a little idea of how huge this is also for context let's just think about what games and what companies are under the activision blizzard banner um we have playstation fans get ready to cry (laughs) playstation one fans get ready to cry even yeah i'm ready Uh, to hear so we got toy like toys for bob who worked on uh crash 4 and as well the spyro reignited trilogy um i wish i could say vicarious visions but they got merged into blizzard so they're no longer um 
we have uh, King, the mobile developer for stuff like Candy Crush and as well the most recent Crash mobile game, which isn't too bad, but not great. Um, but as well, all of the developers that work on the Call of Duty license. Um, so I don't think we need to say more and how big this, um, this acquisition is. Simply put, Microsoft will now own the company that makes Call of Duty. And I'm looking at this from two very different perspectives here. One of it is that, okay, cool. Um, what will this mean for Game Pass? Well, it's going it's to mean that you're going to have a lot of new games to play, um, a lot of opportunities to try new games, especially under that uh, Crash and Spyro banner, um, if you haven't already. But then on the flip side of this, this is coming. So Microsoft have purchased, going to be purchasing Activision, and this is coming what was it? We're in January, less than three months ago, Microsoft were deeply, and I quote, deeply disturbed by everything that is hap that was happening at Activision Blizzard. Um, we are referring to the, um, the reports, um, and we covered this a lot last year, of the abuse from Activision Blizzard staff um, and higher-ups, including one Bobby Kotick himself, who I think out of everything is going to be really freaking benefiting this the most because now he's going to be a richer man than he's ever been I, I think it's a mixed bag with obviously you know he's going to get a payout and then he's obviously going to be leaving he's going to be leaving the video game world and if there's any companies who decide they want to pick him up well i'm not supporting them personally at all um so that will hopefully change and then the, the i guess the uh conduct and the way that uh, blizzard activision has carried itself for a very long time will hopefully change immensely but you are correct about a lot of these uh, franchises just to read off a couple more you said crash bandicoot spyro diablo overwatch call of duty warcraft Go uh, guitar hero tony hawk starcraft um sekiro and so many more are now going to technically be xbox exclusives obviously not all of them will become yeah, xbox exclusives yeah, I... but they're owned by microsoft which is a completely different thing um and i think this, as you said, Game Pass is going to change completely. Sony's going to be scrambling to figure out what to do now. Um, you know, that a lot of the games that sold well on PlayStation, especially their best seller of 2021, is now Microsoft owned. So it's fascinating to look at this and it wanted to make let it happen. Like, were they not paying attention? Like, I mean, this doesn't just happen. Well, I mean, given that they're only now discussing Game Pass, I think it's fair to say that Sony have dropped the ball lately. But I think one thing I want to note, and it's something you mentioned at the beginning of this segment, Jacob, is it's interesting because a lot of the sort of games or series that Microsoft has now acquired are kind of classic PlayStation games. And I think that's interesting because I think in terms of the legacy, I would argue that, you know, PlayStation have more iconic um, game franchises dating back to the PlayStation 1. And so I think taking all of those away, something like Crash, something like Tony Hawk, something like, you know, Spyro, I think it's really interesting because you've got a big PlayStation fan base that love those games. And it's crazy to think of them potentially not even being released on PlayStation consoles. Oh, definitely. My soul. <laughs> You'd have to imagine that some of the Crash games and the Spyro games, for example, are going to go straight onto Game Pass, uh, something that's unheard of. But yeah, that's that's what it is, Connor. To, to let us find a more calm mood and away from the Xbox monopoly. This is Brian Wecht, and you're listening to Player One on Sin.
Lenny has been taken by Michael Transactions, and it's very topical. <gasps> no, not Michael Transactions. Unfortunately, Michael Transactions is up for sale as an NFT, JK. He's JK, don't very, come for us. very, very busy recently with that, hasn't he? <laughs> it's been a very busy time for anyone going after an NFT, which is what our next vibe and combo will be about. Wow, I sound like a trailer voice. I hate that. If you're not sure what an NFT is, let me explain. It's basically, it stands for a non-fungible token, which is basically a bit of code that you will own if you pay an exorbitant amount of money. And it can be anything from an image to an audio file, apparently, or like a skin in a game. Like I'm learning so much about these. I thought they could only be art. And I'm, I'm literally like, I don't want 4,000 different versions of the same rabbit. I just don't. But here we are. And guys, we've heard about Troy Baker and his NFT controversy, and what are our opinions on it? What's going on here? Oh, oh boy, well, Jacob, I'm going to jump in straight this. away. Please, uh, please do. Please do. I've got too much to say. So for those who don't know, Troy Baker is a pretty um, active voice actor. He's Joel uh, Joel Miller in The Last of Us 1 and 2. Um, he's Bruce Banner in Avengers. Uh, he's in God of War. He does a lot for Sony, to be honest. Um, and he's decided to do uh, NFTs, and his version of NFTs has opened up the gate for possible um a and i quote nfts that come with access to ai generated voice programs that can replicate a specific voice meaning that these very very and i to be completely honest very stupid nfts which hurt the art business they completely hurt the art business uh because people are just stealing art and selling it as their own and not even selling the art selling the right to own the art, you're buying a, you're buying the receipt, not the art. This is like going to name your store, and instead of buying what you want to buy, you've bought the receipt. If you're going to buy an orange, you've got a receipt that says you own an orange. You don't actually have an orange. It's like a pre-order. Um, not only that, but it it does wonders for the environment by using lots of valuable data storing space in a like it like what are they called i can't think what they're called you know what they're called like a server space near you yeah it just takes up way too much that it really doesn't need to and as as dem said it's exorbitant amount of money it reminds me of crypto but something that doesn't make sense really and crypto already doesn't make much sense now the ai voice side of this opens up even more because the voice actor the voice acting industry especially within video gaming which is something that's being kind of dragged down by nfts right now and that's by ubisoft and connor i'll let you dive into that in just a second oh I'm having voice acting be taken by AF, uh, nfts and voices be taken by that leaves voice actors having their voice literally stolen uh, and Anyone who's tried to get into voice acting, I wish Tom was here right now because he could go into this a little bit harder than I could. But um, it would just mean that it's harder for people to get off the ground and really get into this industry without, you know, they did one cool voice and suddenly it's gone. And voice actors are cool. They really are. And they're, they're really hard to find really good ones sometimes. But, you know, look, I'm just getting angrier and angrier. Connor, you can you can take over. Get a little angry with me. Talk about Ubisoft bringing. I'm NFTs already into angry. Storefront. I'm already a grumpy old man to begin with, and the the, the last thing I need to freaking hear is the scummiest of the scum off my shoe, Ubisoft, putting NFTs into Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Now, firstly, if you are playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint, um, 
don't because it's a bad game to begin with. Um, secondly, if you are someone who bought one of these stupid NFTs that have no impact on the game, you can't take them anywhere. All it is is just a number and a slightly fancier skin compared to everything else. NFTs have sort of become the new buzzword in gaming. Ubisoft are really all for them, even when the Ubisoft developers are like, no, we don't want to put this in our games, but they're being forced to. Most big developers, though, we mentioned Phil Spencer earlier. Yeah. He went on record saying that he thinks NFTs are a stupid idea yeah. and that they're going to ruin the industry. And honestly, he's right. And there was uh, the Ubisoft CEO, Yves Jumeau, Um, He tried to do like this whole presentation on how NFTs are going to be like the next big thing. But all he just said was a bunch of buzzwords that don't mean a single thing. And he does not know what he's talking about. I read in this. The yeah, he didn't know what an NFT was. He didn't oh, know what no. it was. Oh, no. And he went on stage. It. This no. is almost like This is almost like the head of Google in a Google Stadia re- like presentation being like, oh, yeah, I don't play games. But you know what? That actually happened in the real world. So... Um, but we have seen examples of like uh, of gamers pushing back against NFTs. Um, the developer of Stalker 2, which is going to be released on uh, Xbox exclusively, which Stalker 2, kind of an interesting game. I'm kind of keen on it. Reminds me, I haven't played any of the Stalker games before, but it reminds me of Metro. So I'm down for the, or any of that. Initially, they were going to have in-game NFTs, but later decided, okay, we're going to remove these. See, this is what I don't understand. And some people at home might be experiencing the same thing as me. It's like, how can you sell an NFT of a game that has been sold millions of times? The software is licensed to be produced. I just smacked my mic in anger. And, and, And how can you own it? But you don't own it because it's going to continuously be re-released on more platforms. So I assume how the NFTs are working is they're going to go to a particular bunch of buyers, like a special pre-order bonus. You know, it only happens to those who pre-order and there's only so many to pre-order. Now, I think this is how this is going to work. So let's say 200 people get the NFT. There's only 200. Each NFT may look the exact same, to be honest, but the code will be slightly different. It'll say like, you own 001, and the next person will get, you own version 002. Aren't you, you special? Woo-hoo. You own one tiny pixel of a game of taking a step left, but listen. NFTs. Oh, uh, yeah, because like that was why I was like, then I was like, oh, yeah, microtransactions. He's actually in NFT He's name. branched out. <laughs> <laughs> Is branched out to NFTs. God He's selling damn it. monkeys. He tried to steal. He tried to, not only he tried to steal Daniel. He tried to steal Stefan. Uh, he forced them to buy loot boxes, but they did come with free Krispy Kreme vouchers. Apparently, so um, take the good with the bad. But um, he tried. He's tried to take everyone and hold people hostage. He held. He held me hostage. Alicia, do you know me. what microtransactions is? No, no, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like blanking out. <laughs> yeah, we have a weird law for some reason. We have, we a, have a lot of law for some reason. <laughs> we do, we actually do, honestly. Like, we, we need Matt Pad to, to, to do a game theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? And now some interesting news. It was reported a couple weeks ago, but definitely thought it was something to touch on because Dying Light 2 Stay Human, a very hyped and anticipated sequel, is reportedly going to be a little bit bigger than the first game. Um, we don't know if this is true or not. It's not 100% confirmed, but heavy rumours that the game will reportedly take around 500 hours to 100%. Do 
And I know I'm a big completionist, so I'll be one of those gamers really wanting to go for that. But I guess I wanted to ask you all, do you think that's that's too long to be, you know, saying and asking people to spend to 100% a game? What about you, Connor? I think this is just the biggest over-exaggeration um, in, in games. Like, it's not going to take 500 hours. People need to chill. This is this was just to be like, oh, yeah, marketing this game is going to take 500 hours to beat. <laughs> Look how long our game is. But, like, realistically, Dying Light, no one's going to want to 100%. And what is there to, like, what's the point of 100%ing, like, a game more than anything else, but you're going to have carry a bit of pride where it's not going to lead to anything. Granted, I like to be like, yeah, I did 100% a bunch of Crash Pandicoot games, but you know what? That didn't, what did that accomplish me? Nothing. Um, Dying Light 2 just feels like an over-exaggeration of the actual length of the, the 100% completion rate. Yeah, do you I reckon did... they've bloated it out kind of maybe? Oh, without question, they bloated it a little bit. Well, I don't know. Like, I think maybe 500 hours might be pushing it. But I guess, you know, if you think about any sort of big open world game, like just off air, we were talking about Breath of the Wild, you know, that game, if you take your time to really immerse yourself, you could definitely spend 500 hours 100%ing that. And I think Dying Light is the sort of game that I remember playing the first one, for example, I would just get lost in the world. I would just go off and fight some zombies. That would take me a couple hours. So I think, you know, maybe if you're speed running a completionist run through, it wouldn't take that long. But I definitely think, you know, all up if when I buy Dying Light 2, if I do 100% it and then I look at how many hours, I could absolutely see myself plonking around 500 hours. And I mean, RPGs, anyone who loves the RPG genre knows that really 500 hours isn't anything too crazy when looking at the scale of those games. What about you, Jacob? So I, I, I'm going to, you said completionist, and my mind immediately went to um, the channel, you know, the completionist channel. And I think they make a great point when they do some of these games and they do go over them. Um, completing a lot of games like this, especially games with major, um, you know, time investments to get that 100%, it's often just not worth doing so. Um, the reward you get at the end is not worth the time you put into it. And the game is just better being uh, beaten rather than completed 100%. That's just where I sit. Yes, RPGs do have this long, big, you know, 100% um, thing to do, but there's no point in a lot of times because you don't get anything out of it. Dem, how do you feel? I was going to say something really similar. I just spent a lot of time trying to 100% the Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man game for PS5 or PS4 even. Um, and I found it eternally frustrating because I just ended up stopping because they were like, oh, you need to 100% the first story to start the next story. And I'm like, if I have to beat up one more wave of identical goons, I'm going to punch the screen. I like it, if it just got to the point where my thumb hurt more than I was enjoying the game. And I think that's the point where we need to ask whether these hundred percents that are really long are actually adding more value. It's like adding a boss that has a million health and a one hit kill. It's like, is that actually adding harder value, like value in a harder boss, or is it actually just making it more time consuming and annoying to deal with? I think this is like a, a question that a lot of games have to deal with at the moment as like, you know, we move into different graphics, different gameplay styles, all these different things coming into it. Do we actually want these longer experiences or do we want well-made? shorter experiences i don't know i'm not saying that this will be a bad experience i'm not saying it'll be a, uh too long or anything like that but i think it's worth questioning where the boundary is i suppose 
It's the whole quality versus quantity debate. And I don't know about you all, but I'm definitely a fan of quality. And you know what? We've got some great stuff to talk about from what we could arguably call is all of our houses. Uh, Australia, some, especially Victoria. There's some great stuff and great news about the gaming industry within both of those. And uh, Eleni, you wanted to dive into that a little bit deeper. Could you take it away? Yeah, of course. Well, I think um, one thing that's really been amazing in the past couple of years is seeing how the Australian gaming development industry has really grown and to sort of put into perspective just how much it's grown. There was a survey that was done at the end of last year, December, um, which was the 2021 Australian Game Development Survey. And the findings were amazing. So just to rattle off on some of the highlights or the most impressive things, I think, is that um, looking at um, 2016, the revenue that was brought in as opposed to last year, it's actually doubled in five years, which is amazing, I think, looking at you know half a decade and you've got the revenue already doubling. I think that's fantastic. But yes, as you said, Victoria in particular have really been a pioneer for the Australian gaming development industry. Um, some highlights from that is that 44% of Australia's game development studios are actually based in the state of Victoria, um, which is up from 40% the previous year. So that's a 4% increase in a year. And then looking at you know the workforce as well, 57% of the industry's workforce is made up of people living and working in Victoria, and that's up from 52% in 2020. So I think that's really positive and amazing, especially looking at, you know, building up the Australian gaming development scene. It's so positive to think that not only is Victoria really making it, you know, a home for gaming development, but the whole country is getting on board. And of course, that means that some amazing games have have been developed right at home. Dem, do you want to just list off a couple amazing Australian developed games for us? And I believe these are also Melbourne published games as well. A good chunk of them are. Well, this is, it's it's fantastic to know that so close to home. It's such a like it's just really fun to know because like our film industry was considered to be quite small and you know paling in comparison to the Americanization of it all. So it's nice to hear that home brewed games are getting big spotlights in big places. We have Untitled Goose Game, Screen Cheat, The Forgotten City, Enchanted, that's with an I, Gold Story, De Blob, yes, De Blob, Fruit Ninja, Frog Detective. Tasmanian Tiger, that kind of makes sense, that one, if I'm honest. Uh, Deus Ex, Borderland, the the pre-sequel, Bioshock and Bioshock 2, all published in the land down under, as it is known internationally. Uh, And and most people would cringe at that statement because it's kind of cringy. Other games that are published in Australia that we know of, you know, classics like Hollow Knight, beautiful worlds like uh, Unpacking, all these indie titles coming together, one big, beautiful blob. Hi, I'm Dan Golding, a video game composer of Untitled Goose Game and others. Uh, You're listening to Player One on Sin. We're back on Player One. You're back. We're back. My name is Dem. I am joined by Jacob, Connor and Eleni. And we are talking about some of our favorite and least favorite tutorial segments in gaming. I want to say straight away, Jacob, I know you love it, but Kingdom Hearts' initial tutorial section is so confusing. It is so confusing. I, as a child, I literally could not figure it out. Like, like, oh, I select my class. Okay, cool. I'll just, uh, oh, walking up to it doesn't work. Um, what is this stick thing? Uh, um, uh, uh, I'm going to go play Spyro. That's, I don't know. That's just my hot take on it. I don't no, know. no, that's not a hot take. That is, <laughs> that is the most, like, cold take there is. Everyone agrees. <laughs> 
Okay, good. Because I, ne- I never discovered the mad trick because it stopped at the tutorial, which was exciting. Squish, interesting, excellent. In um, honestly, fair. I was going to say, in absolute fairness, you kind of picked a good tutorial with Spyro. That's actually not a bad one. A very nice tutorial, in fact. It, it doesn't really hold your hand. It just sort of lets you rumble. Well, um, speaking of hand-holding, I know, you know we're all big um, Zelda fans here. And as much as I do love this game, I think there's no denying that the Twilight Princess... Oh my god, the hour and a half of tutorial. It's it's just a big no-no. I think that's really the pinnacle of the hand-holding in any gaming. Um, And it trains you to do silly things like herd goats. Yeah, it doesn't even really train you on how to do like the conventional Zelda gameplay mechanics. But on the flip side, one that I really love is... um, the Witcher 3's tutorial right at the beginning. Yeah, it's the flashback is. of being at Cairn and I love it. It's nice and quick while it also furthers the story, which I think is the perfect combination. You know, a, a quick tutorial is a good tutorial in my mind. But what about you, Jacob? Any that really stand up? You mentioned quick tutorial and there is no quicker tutorial in my mind than the tutorial for Duck Game, the multiplayer Smash Bros. like where you're a duck and you shoot your buddies. You simply put... <laughs> I love your- it. You start in a room and before you can even go into the character select screen, it teaches you how to pick up a gun and shoot the gun and jump. There's your entire movement sorted. So you know how to play the game as a prerequisite before you can start. And I think that's the best kind of way to do it what about games with no tutorial um the ones that are continuously training you throughout the game with prompts because you've clearly forgotten the thousand button combinations in in fairness the one that comes to mind for me was subnautica because they just drop you in the middle of the ocean oh go figure it out for yourself yeah if i if i didn't have youtube when i started playing minecraft same situation literally what do i do how do i do it do i click or do i hold click oh i hold click I remember when I was young thing? having Minecraft open in a window and having the like Minecraft wiki open next to it just so I could remember how to make some stupid recipes. Like, how do I make a pumpkin pie? No one knows. How, how, how do you remember that? How do you make this potion? You don't. You just give up and play a different game. How do I give up and play a different game? I'm going to play Mario Kart. At least that's just go. I mean, you can go to the complete opposite of that and like... Eleni, you mentioned um, Twilight Princess. I'm going to mention something that handholds a lot more. Uh, Pokemon. Oh, boy. Modern Pokemon handholds way, way, way too hard. Sun and Moon uh, are the antithesis of that, where literally the first quarter of the game is a tutorial. Uh, they lock you in certain areas as a tutorial. Um, it is terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, and again, I'm going to mention another one I do really like, though. Undertale's tutorial is fantastic. It is story. It is cute. It teaches you what to do without really being in, in your face about tutorials and all that. But I don't know. But something that deserves more attention is the Xbox One, because manufacturing has now officially been discontinued. Obviously, they stopped making it a while back, but Xbox kind of just said, hey, yep, it, it's it's gone now. It's over. And, you know, it's maybe worth time to kind of reminisce about what the xbox one brought to the table and to be honest originally not much it really didn't bring much it crashed and burned and that dumpster fire still burned until the very end to be fair i did see sunset overdrive while i was passing through a game shop the other day and i did think about it and go gosh i was actually going to buy an xbox one when that came out but hey i had no money 
gosh, I'm glad I did it. No, um, it ain't like that. But I remember there were some fun release titles for the Xbox One that nearly was, got me on the train. Was there? X, oh, what was it? Sunset Overdrive. That, oh, yeah, but that that's was like a the, big ball of that fun. That was like the one exemption, though. Like, that was why I didn't buy the console, because I was like, Oh, where? yes. Who, who wanted the great game of Rise, Son of Rome, which was just a mediocre tech demo? Madden 25, that was a launch title for the Xbox One. Who cares about Madden? Like, I'm sorry, I am very critical of the Xbox One, and simply put, um, no one cared about the Xbox One except if you liked Halo. Well, even on, even, you know, th- talking about Halo, like I've always had Xboxes. I loved 360. I've got the Series S now, but the Xbox One was not good. And I think you could basically sum it up by its Halo title because Halo 5 Guardians was an absolute disappointment. And I think, you know, the Xbox One was fine. It wasn't anything innovative, but I think that Halo 5 kind of destroyed the whole the whole console i mean we did get gears of war 4 was a good game gears of war 5 but yeah it it didn't have much but i guess what what's interesting i thought to note is that you know we were just talking before about microsoft and their big acquisition and comparing that to sony and i think it's interesting because obviously recently i remember at the end of last year we were talking about how you know, Sony are churning out more PS4s because they don't have any PS5s. And now you've got Microsoft saying, actually, no, we're, we're not going to do that with the Xbox One. Well, we're full steam ahead with our current in fairness, In fairness, with the current generations of Xbox, you have a perfectly good Xbox that rivals the price of the PlayStation that gives you next-gen quality, and that's the Series S. Like, I have Game Pass. Yeah, it's a no-brainer if you want an Xbox but can't wait for the next batch of Xbox Series S. Sorry, X's. Um, get a Series S. It's it's definitely worth it. Granted, it is on the lower scale of next gen. It's definitely not. It's not a powerhouse. You know, it comparably, it's like a very. It's a slightly more powerful Xbox One X, but given that it's at a very affordable price compared to the other uh, consoles, especially compared to the PS5 and even if it's all, even with its all digital edition, um, it's a no brainer. Like why even think about bringing back a dead console when you have a perfectly fine brand new console for roughly the same price, just sitting there. Hmm. I, yeah, and in, uh, just a personal gripe. When did we start stopping from like it? It it confuses my little brain when we don't just go Xbox One, Xbox Two, oh, Xbox yeah. Three. Now we're going the Xbox One S, the Xbox One X, the Xbox X One S S S I J K L M N O P. I just I struggle. Oh, yeah. they, they really cooked it because like the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty was such a cool name. They should have just gone Seven Twenty One Eight. Yes! Like, I would have loved that. I don't know what they did there. They really, they I really botched it. I do think there was an uh, an element of marketing involved oh, in order to try God. and get like you obviously don't want to follow Xbox One, Two, Three, Four alongside PlayStation because people are just going to go. You know, there's a reason the Nintendo Sixty Four was called the Nintendo Sixty Four. That was based on the fact that people were calling it the Nintendo. Uh, yeah. So, like, they don't want to do that. And, you know, the Xbox One, it was named weirdly. Yes, I don't think it's an argument I'm good enough yeah. to do that. But it did bring some great things. Was, Game Pass, a yeah. great new controller setup, and 
a whole bunch more stuff. And we'd love to hear what you guys think about the Xbox One. Hi, I'm Mike Pollock, the voice of Dr. Eggman. You're listening to Player One on Sin, but you probably already knew that. And now, team, as we near the end of the show, getting close to wrapping up, we thought we'd end it on on a nostalgic note you know let's reminisce on some of the most iconic gaming quotes some of our favorite gaming quotes i'm happy to start because you know i'm a bit of a sucker for a really cheesy like thought-provoking line and you know look no further than bioshock to get those some of my favorites you know of course would you kindly is such an iconic gaming quote i think anyone you know, who knows games knows that that is such an iconic quote, mainly because of the plot twist that it centers around. But then again, with Bioshock, you know, there's some other iconic quotes. Andrew Ryan is a bit of a prophet. You know, a man chooses a slave obeys is another one that I love. I think it's a very bougie one. Um, they're probably my favorites. And then, of course, I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan. So nothing is true. Everything is permitted from Assassin's Creed 2 is another iconic one, mainly because, you know, Ezio's beautiful voice delivering that line is just perfection. But no, Nolan North putting on his best Italian. Yes. Like um, I got, I think I got a very wholesome one here. That's just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to completely ignore that. Um, but I got a great one here uh, from uh, Mr. Torg from Borderlands 2 in the DLC. Um, nothing is more badass than treating a woman with respect. I would agree. I, yeah. I like to be respected. I mean, it, it doesn't really need to be rewarded that bad because I feel like that's the baseline. But uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know respect what? is nice. Yeah, respect is awesome. Um, the other one that I had that, I literally just reminded myself of it was from Silent Hill 2. And it's not necessarily a quote, but something that you see on a, like on a wall. Uh, there was a hole here. It's gone now. That's it. There's That's some it. real golden ones from the, uh, the older generations. I, I have a couple in mind from the old Zelda games, like I am error. Take that as you will. Also, don't, uh, what is, what is it? The one, the one, oh, it's uh, you're all thinking it at home. What is it? It's is dangerous it? to go alone. Take this. Oh, I was going to go, go hey, listen. Oh, yep. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now that I say it, uh, the classic finish him. I mean, Mortal anything Kombat. from Mortal Kombat, whether it be get over here, finish him, uh, fatality, anything like that. They're like, they're that popular that like all those gaming trope kind of haha funnies from the uh, early 2010s absolutely burned them into the ground and speaking of 2010s anything from skyrim uh, oh. any guard quotes at all i don't know about you i still love skyrim i'll play it whenever oh yeah but like i'll go through and i'll like a guard will start a quote and i'll follow along with it um and it's a mixture of that voice being really addictive and really fun to listen to no lolly gagan somebody what? steal your somebody- yes yes i was thinking that one too another great one nico it's your cousin of course, go, go, of course. Nico, I don't know what that accident let, was. Let's go bowling. Here we are butchering a whole bunch of accents because we're trying to be video game characters. Hey, we're copying art. Ooh. Well, you know, I'm going to take it to an other side of art where they're so bad, they're good. And I think that a lot of the GameCube and PS2 era is filled with this. Uh, the one that comes to mind, at least for me, is any dialogue from Sonic Adventure 1 or 2. Obviously, they were dubbed poorly very poorly uh there's the entire cutscene, the whole faker 
um, kind of cutscene, which is iconic within that um, gaming sphere. Uh, I'll make you eat is, those words. It's it's the best. It is. If you want fun, look at AGDQ or anything like that. Whenever they play that game and they get to that, the entire crowd is just reading off that entire cutscenes quotes. It is the best. I have one more before we go. It's a classic. It's a standard. It's beautiful. I love it. It's from Mario Sunshine where Flood just goes, Mario. Yes. Out of all the things to put in a quote, I did not mention Bubsy once. Oh, what's up? Also completely think, cooked it. You've said Mario the whole Luigi's mentioned Mario. Oh my god, my cat was called Mario, and when we played that and we were pressing the button that goes, he'd be like, <laughs> No, Dem, wow. I I lost my mind because Nolan North does not do Ezio. Wow. But then I couldn't remember who it was. It's really? Roger it's Roger Craig Smith. I just is assumed it? that Nolan yeah, North. Yeah, it's all Roger of Craig, them. it's Roger Craig Smith, yeah. Um I was because I was like blanked because I was like I know it's not Nolan North but who is it and then I just started pissing and then I looked yes, it up. Too, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, Roger Craig. Roger Craig I think... does Sonic now. Yeah. Wow. And Arrow. Aren't these game designers wonderful? But I was like crying because I was I just like had no idea what to even say to that. I was like, yep. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know that. I honestly thought it was just Nolan North doing like a really weird voice because it doesn't sound like it, I I've learned a thing today. There we go. Look out below! And we are approaching the end of our beautiful show. Oh, we've loved being back. We've loved seeing you all. Well, we're not seeing anything, but you can hear us. Hopefully, please tell us you can hear us. You can tell us you can hear us on any of our social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of the nice ones, including places where you can hear us more. And then we can have a conversation to see how it works. We talk to you and then you can comment on stuff. See, it's great. And then there's a there's a dynamic of communication that's very drawn. Anyway, our podcast can be found in a myriad of places, including Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. It's a great time to be alive, guys. What do we want to say before we go on home? Well, just that it's been lovely to be back in Player One, chatting to you all, very exciting things coming this year. So stay tuned, keep listening in to us because we've got great content coming throughout the year. And yeah, happy 2022 to everyone. I'll jump on the back of that and say, you know, keep listening to Sin because there are thousands, well, not maybe not thousands, but it does feel like there are thousands of great voices coming out of this radio station. Uh, I mean, one of the ones we had on earlier tonight, uh, Alicia, she's going to be the EP. She is the EP of Asian Pop Nation. So definitely tune in and check that out because, look, we like her. She's pretty cool. You like her. She's pretty cool. You know you do. So check her out and check out her show and what she does as well because that's going to be real fun. Bubsy's back, baby. Thanks, Connor, for that enlightening moment. Thank you so much. We have a whole season of jam-packed content ready for you as things develop, grow, shrink, all the good things that happen in the video game industry. Hell, anything could happen in the next week. And we love that. That's what we love. So tune in next week, fellas, folks, Felicia's. There's no... Fella is an awful word, hey? Player one on sin. I'll see you guys next time. Bye! Bye! (laughs) Fellas and Felicia's. I actually do love that. Let's go! Oh,